Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already and ring that notification bell so you are alerted each time we have a brand new episode go live here on YouTube. And today's episode is dedicated to Pico, whom generously donated $100 and has earned himself a dedication for this episode. And I'd like to welcome in my co-host, as always, Modern Vintage Gamer. Hey, what's going on, Nate? Great to be here. I know we were off last week, and we're going to be talking about the Switch again this week, as it happens. <laughs> yes, I am feeling a lot like Michael Corleone in The Godfather <laughs> 3. Just when I thought I was out, they are pulling me back in, because this really is not a topic I thought we'd be talking about again, especially this soon. I thought we'd have a nice little break away from the Switch Pro, but nope. The fine folks at Bloomberg thought it was right for us to return to this topic one more time this month and hopefully the last time this month by putting out a new report today and if you've been a listener to our show a lot of the information that bloomberg reported today will not surprise they came out and they reiterated a lot of what we have been discussing since october of last year but really began to run with as early as the first week of January this year. And some of the key points from the Bloomberg article today are that a new Switch will release this year. It is equipped with a 7-inch 720p OLED screen. It has DLSS functionality. It will come with a better CPU and more memory. It will have a lot of games and analysts are predicting that it could cost as much as $399.99. But I want to emphasize that that is a prediction by analyst, and it's not necessarily information given to Bloomberg by sources at Nintendo or third-party partners. This is just the forecasting of an analyst body. And, well, a lot of this information is stuff that we have touched on back in October and in January. I have gone on record now numerous times that my resolution and contention is that Nintendo was working on a Switch that had DLSS functionality and it would achieve 4K display by using DLSS. And Bloomberg has come out and I don't want to use the word confirmed, but they are corroborating that information now. And as they mentioned, a better CPU with more memory I had also stated several times that it would have a new SOC, and this would be implying exactly that. One point that I'm not sure really how to read it, even when I looked at the article itself, is that they make that note of it will have a lot of games. Now, that's a very broad use of phrase. Mm -hmm. What exactly does, does a lot of games mean? And in the article itself, it says... Couple the console's release with a bounty of new games. So I have said that the Switch Pro, new Switch, Super Switch, whatever we want to call it here, will have some exclusive games. When I see this citation in the Bloomberg article, to me it more sounds that they are kind of implying that they're looking to the Switch library as a whole and that when this product launches, it's going to be paired with numerous brand new releases be it a breath of the wild 2 or some other hot new product so if it were to release this holiday 
one of these bounty of new games could include something like the Pokemon Diamond and Pearl remakes. It's not something specifically tailored for the system, but it's going to launch alongside it in the essence of it's coming to market at or around the same time. Now, there really wasn't much else to the article. As I mentioned, a lot of this information is stuff that we have discussed now several times, but it was good to have backing, especially from a major outlet like Bloomberg, to come forth and say 4K features, DLSS, new SOC, NVIDIA's new chip. You know, that's that's good, especially from a reporting standpoint, to see others now corroborate such information. And let's get right into our key talking points here. And that's going to be... I want to emphasize that this is still a revision. And if you look at the Bloomberg article, which is linked in the description below, they also are positioning this as a revision. This isn't going to be a successor. Yeah. This is a new 3DS to the 3DS or Game Boy Color to the Game Boy. And that latter example is a bit blurred. Nintendo counts the Game Boy with the Game Boy Color in terms of install base. In some official documentation, they did refer to it as a successor, but it's commonly viewed as a revision. And that's because the internals are largely the same, save for you know a minor change in CPU, the colored screen, and other features like that. But I want everyone to keep expectations in check. There's been a lot of discussion going around that maybe the Switch Pro is going to rival a PlayStation 4 Pro in performance. That's way too high of an expectation. you got to scale that down a bit. And as I say that, I also have to be careful with how I phrase this. When you factor in a feature like DLSS, you may have games that look and even perform better than what you saw on a PlayStation 4 Pro. But in raw power this Switch Pro is not going to match a PlayStation 4 Pro. And that's what I'm strictly referring to here. And I don't want to get into any other comparisons with other hardware because it is a very complex situation to approach. There are numerous variables at play. So that's as far as I'm going to go with console comparisons. But keep expectations in check. This is a revision. This is not a Switch successor at least not in the traditional sense of the word or how we view generations. Yeah, and just just to um you know just to touch on that a little more. I mean, I think we had John Lindeman on the show on the last episode and we kind of talked about how we felt like you know the days of just raw power, teraflops, you know, megahertz, all that so gigahertz gigaflops whatever you whatever you call it these days i don't even know um those those kind of things seem like they're slowly becoming irrelevant and this is another i think another you know stake in the ground that is telling consumers telling gamers that look it's not all about raw performance anymore it's not all about who's the fastest who has you know the fastest clock cpu or gpu you know, if, if Nintendo is coming to the holiday with a Switch revision that has 4K DLSS, it's going to look as good as whatever Sony and uh, and Microsoft have 
available, right? So all of a sudden, you know, they're coming in with with a new system that on a 4K TV is going to look really damn good. And it just really solidifies that whole aspect of it's not about numbers on a bar chart anymore. You know, there is some really cool technology out there and Nintendo is very fortunate to be partnering with NVIDIA on this because they do have a exceptional DLSS solution. AMD, as far as I know, they are they are they have something up their sleeve, but they don't have anything on you know at market right now. So, you know, the the switch revision could really be um, a game changer in many ways. Where, you know, the first portable handheld system that has DLSS that that allows you to dock the system and and then display a 4K output. I mean that is pretty incredible to think about, and um, I'm I'm pretty excited to, to to read that the Bloomberg article and just like you said, you know, have have that I guess that clarification, that validation that you know we're not we're not just sitting here um, as fanboys, you know, making these wild accusations about what we think the next switch is going to be. I mean, I think it's you know what we, when we say things, I mean it's pretty calculated most of the time, and look. It just, it just, you know, it is something that obviously Nintendo has the same thoughts and ideas about as what we did, which is really cool to see because I do think that DLSS 4K um, USOC more power is definitely the the way that, that the Switch hardware should be going. Yeah, I mean, as we mentioned before in previous episodes, DLSS is it's a cheat code, and it's a cheat code for Nintendo who is a company who likes to play things relatively safe. They like to find technology that is affordable. They don't go into that arms race that Microsoft and Sony typically do where they chase after raw power at an extreme, you know, extremely high price. Nintendo likes to find something that is affordable, efficient. Yeah. And DLSS is that cheat code for them where they can now craft hardware at a reasonable price. But you have this type of feature where you're going to be able to render a game at a far greater resolution than you could ever natively do. And that's the whole purpose behind DLSS. It's that it's supposed to be a cost-efficient feature. And when you think of cost efficiency, the one company that you would think of is Nintendo. So this is really a pairing made in heaven with Nintendo and NVIDIA. And it's really exciting for the future, even though, I mean, we still don't have this product, but this is a good sign of what could be coming down the line as their relationship continues to grow and blossom, that if they're already looking towards this new type of technology to use together, this can only mean good things for the two of them working well beyond into the future. So when I looked at this article, and I want to touch on the DLSS aspect of it. The article specifically makes mention how DLSS support will require new code to be added to games, and it'll primarily be used to improve graphics on upcoming titles. And that is 100% correct. As we have discussed in previous episodes, DLSS, it isn't a simple button. You don't just enable it and it will run on a game. You're not going to pop in Breath of the Wild 1 and you're just going to have DLSS all of a sudden make the game look 
or be rendered at 4K via that solution. This is something that Nintendo and other developers will actively have to go back to implement. And it's curious as to how Nintendo will have to approach the launch of this specific hardware, because that means you need a title that's going to have DLSS headline to showcase right out of the box. You have to launch with a game to utilize these features because your backwards compatible library aren't going to get a DLS boost by default. So you need launch games to really take advantage of this. And that could create a interesting scenario. And that's kind of, it's one area that I'm curious as to how they approach Nintendo right now has a back catalog of software that is incredibly strong. Their evergreen library is why the switch continues to sell. But are you, as Nintendo, going to go back to a title like Breath of the Wild 1, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Splatoon 2, any of those games, Mario Odyssey, are you going to go back and add in DLSS knowing that you have Breath of the Wild 2 potentially launching with the system, the likelihood of a brand new Mario game probably within 12 months of the hardware launching, or Splatoon 3, probably probably within six months of the hardware launching. What games, if you were Nintendo, would you go back to out of your back catalog and say, we're going to do a DLSS patch because, you know, for whatever reason, we want to use this game as a showcase for the technology? Well, I mean, one that... I mean, there's a couple, right? I mean, there's obviously some games that, that kind of struggle... Um, but the ones that I keep thinking about would be something like Age of Calamity, which I think would be a a really good showcase of DLSS. You know, um, that, that does have frame rate issues um, and it does drop to, you know, 360p at times. It doesn't look particularly great. I think that would be one that, that they could, you know, um, pre- you know, prepare and have ready to go. They could also look at, I mean, the, if you look at the Nintendo titles, the first party titles, um, most of them, uh, you know, run really well, but there are ones that have some issues or they have resolution drops and whatnot. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition is another one that comes to mind that they could, um, you know, retroactively bring out a patch for to just make it look really crisp, right? I mean, I think that would be something that the fans would would really appreciate i think but yeah i mean it's a tough one to really answer Nate, because you know th- that that kind of talking point of you know lots of games um yeah i mean it's very difficult to to know you know are they just going to open their account with a new game breath of the wild 2 or or something else or are they going to you know, sell this hardware initially and offer um, patches, uh, you know, free patches to existing titles to make them really good, uh, to make them look better and and have, you know, that, that selling point of, of the new hardware. You know, look how good this, this new hardware is. It's got a seven-inch screen. It looks, looks amazing. It's got OLED. Um, it's got DLSS. So, yeah, it's very, very difficult to know which way they will go um, as far as how they market this. But... I do think that they will have, I'll say, a curated list of patches 
I mean, not everything is going to get a patch, I think, right? I mean, there's, there's just no way. Um, some games, um, you know, developers, uh, th- especially third parties, you know, um, like a game like Doom Eternal, for example, that, that may receive a patch uh, and get DLSS. I mean, I'd love it if it did, but it, it also may not get a patch, right? So um, I do think that, nintendo will you know try to leverage as as much as they can and maybe maybe studios third parties will um you know start submitting patches to lot check for um you know dlss patches and and, and updated resolutions and stuff which would be kind of cool but at the end of the day i don't really know which way they're going to go on this one um (laughs) i guess i guess you know if, if they want the maximum hype around this then you kind of launch this and coincide it with a Breath of the Wild 2 and really get just that hype going of new system, new Zelda game, um, just like we did, you know, four years ago um, and have history repeat itself. I think that's probably how they're going to do this, but um, I wouldn't be surprised either if they, you know, I mean, if you look at like the the PS5 and the Xbox One, uh, sorry, Xbox Series X, um Obviously, you know, launch games, uh, exclusive games for those systems were few and far between early on. um, And a lot of the times that they would bring out updates to their older games, right? Um, So I could see Nintendo possibly doing that as well. But I think, look, if I'm going to put money on it, I'd probably say it's coming with a new system, with a new game. And that's going to be Zelda, Zelda, uh, Breath of the Wild 2. Yeah, Zelda with Breath of the Wild 2 is definitely the main expectation as a launch game for this hardware. I could see the you know the potential outcome of, let's just say hypothetically, Breath of the Wild 2 is a little later than the system itself. Yeah. So they have to launch it with Pokemon Arceus. Mm-hmm. Another game that could benefit from DLSS yes, in a very definitely. You know, strong manner. Splatoon 3, I would say, is definitely going to launch after the platform itself. And if it is just, you know, games coming up into the future. So let's say everything starting from January 2022 onward will have some sort of DLSS functionality to boost the visual when it is played on a pro. That at least gives us a foundation to when these games are going to be, you know, implementing this feature. For Nintendo to go through their back catalog, if they are to do so, I believe it would be a case kind of how you were describing, kind of how Microsoft looked at select Xbox One games like Forza Horizon 4. And they said, let's give this a patch on the Series X. Yeah. Let's make this better. Let's take advantage of that hardware. I can see Nintendo going through their back catalog and selecting maybe half a dozen. And it'd be titles like Smash Brothers. Right. A you know, an ongoing title that's still gonna get DLC throughout this year, but something that they're going to wanna make sure gets supported in twenty twenty two. So you come out with that, you release that patch to implement DLSS for Smash Brothers. Maybe Mario Kart 8 Deluxe you add DLSS to. Maybe Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing is kind of one of those games where it's not going to benefit that much from it. But let's just add an extra level of sheen to it. Mm -hmm. I could view them 
going back to those type of games, but you'd still probably want one or two highlight single player games mm-hmm. that you know I kind of I would my expectation is that they won't do Breath of the Wild, but I do have one hesitation. And my hesitation is if you do add DLSS to Breath of the Wild one, you might be able to sell an additional three to four million copies of that game. Yeah. And you know, that's even with you launching with Breath of the Wild 2, by adding that type of patch to the first game, you might get people reinterested to revisit the game and they're gonna go out and buy another copy if they have for some reason sold theirs. Or you're gonna have new buyers who just came into the Switch with this pro and you want them to experience that landmark game in the best way possible. So you do this DLSS patch and all of a sudden your best-selling Zelda game of all time is now more evergreen than ever. You just added a new feature, you have new interests, and you just sparked an additional several million you know, units. It's an interesting approach because Nintendo has to, they have to evaluate it game to game. Because as we mentioned, DLSS isn't automatic. This is something they have to actively go back in. They have to code DLSS into. So it will take time. Now, I don't know your experience with DLSS, if any, but do you have any idea how long it would take to implement a patch of that type? Um, it would be fairly significant. Like, I don't have any experience with coding DLSS myself, but the uh, the Night Dive guys, I mean, we, uh, we released a demo for System Shock and that has DLSS. And I was talking to some of the devs on on that team about, you know, what it took to implement it. Now, Unreal Engine has, uh, I don't want to say a cheat code or a cheat sheet where you click a button, but it has the ability to add DLSS. But even then, there was still quite a bit of work to get it, get it working and then get it looking appropriate and then getting the performance to where it needed to be. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's not, it's not just one of those things where you say, you know, uh, click on a checkbox to add DLSS to your game and then rebuild the, rebuild the game and submit it for cert. There's definitely a lot more that goes into it than that. I don't know specifics on numbers, but there's definitely work involved. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action-adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes, it doesn't quite work. And you, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative a construction off the <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely entirely check out the gaming blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now so i wonder see I, that's where i could see nintendo kind of pausing because if you are going to go that path of let's have let's have a handful of games ready for the launch of the system where we're going to have that type of patch. You either are finding an external developer to contract that work out to, yeah. or you're handling it internally, which, depending on the amount of work, as you mentioned, it can vary. We don't know how many resources you could potentially be taking from, let's say, Breath of the Wild 2, just as an example of a game, to make Breath of the Wild 1 now have DLSS functionality. And that's something, as a fan, you definitely don't want to see. 
you want their focus to be on the sequel, the big new game, right? not a game from the past. So DLSS is a, it's definitely a unique situation for them because I'd say we have become accustomed to the idea of you buy better hardware, you put in your game, you kind of get better performance. And I'd say we've been spoiled by PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and even the Series S, where we are playing these old games from the previous generation and we're getting resolution boosts, performance boosts, load time decrease. We're getting all those without patches. And the Switch Pro will offer something similar to that with some of the current backlog of Switch software. Titles, we'll use Breath of the Wild again as an example. The resolution will see an increase. The load times should be shortened because of the new CPU. The frame rate should be smoother. And this is all without patching. So Mm -hmm. there will be some net gains just from the new SoC. And maybe for some, that's enough, even without DLSS being you know, present in these older releases. But it's going to be a challenge for Nintendo. If you really want to market DLSS as the system's selling feature, you do need, as Bloomberg puts it, a lot of games yes. around the time the system launches. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how this one goes. Because, I mean, I guess one question I have... Uh, I guess it's a side question that that's kind of been on my mind a little bit is where does this kind of, you know, we talked about the possibility given the the information of the last report that we, we saw that maybe there were two switches, you know, maybe it was going to be just a, a a current switch with, with Tegra X one plus an OLED screen at seven inches. How do you kind of feel about that now with this new information? Do you do you still think that that Nintendo will offer a we'll say a base level switch and then just add a seven inch OLED screen anyway, or do you think that that whole idea of the two systems is kind of off the table now? Uh, based on today's article, I think I'm comfortable with removing that option from the table. It was definitely an option that was worth considering, but. The one thing that's been consistent on my end is I had continually only heard about one piece of hardware, and it's the one we're talking about now, the DLSS new SoC hardware. But when we were speculating about it, I will admit it made a lot of sense for Nintendo to potentially explore that Switch XL with the OLED screen and a new dock, just because that does match Nintendo's historic patterns. But it seems now that Bloomberg had been talking about the same hardware that I was now with all their articles. So I would remove that option from the table at this point, I think. Yeah. And do you wonder if maybe they'll they'll just kind of silently add that in um, maybe after the fact at some point? Or do you think they'll just continue with, mm-hmm. you know, the LCD-based switch until, you know, it's phased out? Because we also heard, I, you know, some yeah. rumblings that the X1 manufacturing mm-hmm. is going to end at some point. We don't know when that will be, but um, at some point this year, that rumor that, that's been going around about that as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a definitely an end of life date here, you know, for, I guess, the current base model. 
Yeah, I mean, the problem with the TX1 end of life, if it is this year, is now we have to wonder, what does that mean for the Switch Lite? And it could be a case of, if we view, let's view the Pro as a relaunch of sorts. It's still a revision, but it's relaunching the Switch family. So you have the Pro come out 2021, maybe in 2023, first half 2024, you introduce a Switch Lite Pro. Mm-hmm. Same internals, and you just have DLSS and handheld mode. It could play out similar to that, and they just need enough you know, X1s to make it that far. It's really hard to say how Nintendo is going to approach that type of situation of phasing out the LCD switch that we currently have, but I do expect that it will phase out and this Pro is just going to replace it like the new 3DS did to the 3DS. It's just a question of when and how long will it take. I could see it taking 12 to 18 months. It's really it's tough to say because what we saw with like the Xbox One leading up to the Series X introduction is Microsoft was continually discontinuing yeah. the Xbox One S, the One X, and they were just getting rid of their excess stock. Nintendo is not doing that yet with the current Switch. They are still producing these X1s, so they might be stockpiling it so they have you know, an, another year plus worth of supply because, as we know, we, there's a chip crisis going on right now, and it's a really it's a big risk to even consider launching new hardware right now when you don't know if you're going to have enough semiconductors when you're going to be able to get a supply line to produce your hardware. I so guess Nintendo by stockpiling, yeah, maybe it's a safeguard. I guess that's the other thing on this um, article that I'm not saying I, I disagree with, but I have questions about the launch of this system. You know, they're saying it's it's holiday. Well, they're saying later this year, right? So um, I'm assuming they're they're talking about the holiday. Given the ongoing semiconductor shortage, um, and you're right, Nintendo's probably stockpiling this stuff as we speak. But how many how many systems do you think they'll have ready to go by the end of this year? You know, maybe five million, ten million. I mean, whatever they have, I don't feel like it's going to be anywhere near enough to to meet the demand. If if that's actually true. Um, yeah, that was a good segue into this topic for the launch window. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I, I spoiled your thunder there, but I, I definitely did want to touch on this one because um, yeah. I think out of all the information, that was the one that that this is the one that kind of surprises me the most. That it's you know they're kind yes. of banking on it's coming out this year. Yeah, that that bit of information from Bloomberg today did give me a slight pause. Mm-hmm. I I don't really see a way that this product is launching this year unless they're trying to do a launch on paper, which is basically we're going to ship as many units as we can produce. It's probably going to be a very, very limited amount, but we are going to release it. We're going to sell out, and then restock is going to be a very gradual, painful process. Yeah, But you get to say, we did release this product. And as Nintendo, I don't know if you want to go that path. If you're hell-bent on having it out before the holiday, then I guess you're going to release it 
come hell or high water, if you have a million units or if you have a thousand units, you're launching it. I still think this is a product that we see get delayed or pushed into early 2022. It still launches before Nintendo's coming fiscal year concludes, which would be the end of March 2022. I think that's how it's going to end up playing out. And as I read the article, it did kind of say to me, especially with this 2021 release date, is maybe the information they're getting is simply a case of this is what Nintendo has relayed to third-party partners because they do say some of their sources are developers. This may be information that Nintendo had given them, let's say, even a month ago. Mm -hmm. Our hope is to launch in 2021. But with the current situation, with the chip climate, it could be, well, our hope probably isn't going to happen anymore. Yeah. And in the background, it may still be, Let's target 2021. Worst case scenario is we're going to be early 2022, but at least your software is going to be ready for when the hardware is there. Your hardware, I mean, like your software could still launch this holiday. And then when the hardware is available, let's say March of next year, all your games, you're going to pop it in. It's going to get that patch and we're going to be looking good. I think there's just a lot of uncertainty right now. And that goes for software across the board and hardware across the board, Microsoft and Sony really have no confidence in what type of supply they can deliver with the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5. And developers and publishers for their games are saying, our hopes are for 2021. We simply do not know if we can make these windows because COVID is still a thing. It's still having impacts. And everyone's just kind of, they're hoping for the best case scenario. And I think 2021 is the best case scenario for Nintendo with this product. I still believe it misses this year. I, I hope to be wrong. But. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. It, it just seems it just seems really out there for me. Um, I, I think the hope the hope is they can, and you know maybe maybe they um, can have some type of limited launch. But it, I mean that just doesn't make sense to me. At the end of the day, I mean, I think, you know, if, if they are just stockpiling hardware and chips, um, then get it ready for next year. You know, get it ready for for spring break next year or something. I think that would be more appropriate because, uh, yeah, like we're already it's almost April. Right. So, yeah, you know, we have we have eight months of the year left. And yep. that's that's not really that far far away um, to you know to get get new hardware out there and I mean you still can't buy a PS5 you still can't buy an Xbox Series X Series S without resorting to ridiculous scalper fees or maybe you know being lucky on on a, a Warrior 64 tweet that you you get in early but I don't see the switch being any different in that regard with you know the limited supply of semiconductors that we have out there. So I do think that even though, you know, Bloomberg was told that they were targeting a release later this year, I think that that's going to shift to next year without without any question, really. Yeah, I I definitely anticipate that. And even if we look at their previous report of certain components, like the screen entering production in, they reported 
hopefully by June, and then it would be sent to suppliers in July, it still means we're looking at a, you know, if the Switch Pro is hitting the supply lines in July, let's say late July, you then begin manufacturing right then. If you can hit a million a month, you have a million through August, a million through September, a million through October. You now have to ship these systems. If you go by boat, which is a little cheaper, it takes considerable time. You can fly them. It's a lot more expensive, but it's obviously quicker. You could, you potentially are looking at a holiday launch of maybe, best case scenario, three million systems. Yeah, And that's where you have to really gauge of is it worth launching with such limited supply or do we simply wait a few more months, maybe build up supply a little more? And you also have to keep in mind that that June number for the screens is, again, a best case scenario. Right. It can easily slide. And even though they put a figure a little less than a million for the screen production, again, best case scenario, that's the ideal turn at, you know, production lines it could be significantly less you usually gear up production you start at a lower number and then crank up to a million so if they're not at that output that they are forecasting that puts a delay in overall supply so there's a lot of variables at play that simply don't have all the information to right now but if i were nintendo my target would be the coming fiscal year yeah not the calendar year i I would agree um and look, maybe that's what maybe that's what they were saying, and it just you know the mm-hmm. the article just says this year. But what does this year mean? Is it this fiscal, or is it just this calendar year? Could could mean anything, really. That's true. I mean i I have high confidence in the coming fiscal year. Yeah, it's that calendar year is just definitely definitely causing a pause. But one thing that they did pair the switch launch timing of later this year with is that analysts are forecasting that it could cost as much as $400. Now this would be $100 more expensive than the current switch. And again, this isn't information based on any direct sources related to the supply chain or the components. These are analysts forecasting what they think the model could come out as. And Three ninety nine is that's a hefty price tag. Oh yeah, that that's that's also a, a surprise to me that it would be that expensive. But um, you know, like I think you know the, the the messaging around that was Nintendo fans will 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 pay a, a a good price for for new hardware. And look, that's not inaccurate. They will, and I think a lot of people will. But it's also you're also getting to that price point where it's like, wow, that's that's a lot of money for a handheld system all of a sudden, right? You know, and I think it, I'm look, I'm not saying it's not going to be $399, but that would be a much harder sell for um, families over the holiday season and, and things like that. You know, all of a sudden that's a lot more expensive. And look, if they keep the current switch at where it is, or maybe they cut the price a little bit, that would make it even more difficult for them. For me, um, just speculation, of course, I don't think that 399 is accurate. I think it's 
probably going to be around the 350 mark personally i think that's a little more i guess in line and a little more i don't know just just it just sounds better to me it feels better um 399 just seems a little little out there for um you know the next switch revision yeah 399 is definitely it's it's a lot to ask and as we mentioned earlier it's still going to be hardware that doesn't compete with the overall capabilities of a PlayStation 5 or Series X. So if you come in at that premium price of $400, you have to keep in mind that you're now priced similarly as a digital edition PlayStation 5. Right. And you're not offering the same performance. So the challenge then is on Nintendo to create that value proposition of our piece of hardware is worth $400 and we are just as valuable as a PlayStation 5 digital and that's a lot to ask. Yes you're going to have 4K functionality achieved with DLSS DLSS is a buzzword that the mainstream gaming community outside of enthusiasts have no idea what it means. It's just a bunch of letters. Mm-hmm. Now they will enjoy that visual fidelity once they actually play the games that utilize these features. But as we talked about earlier, you're going to have this large back catalog of games that aren't going to be using DLSS. They're just going to get some resolution and performance boost from the new SOC. So you're kind of are in, you're between a rock and a hard place. You need those new games like a Breath of the Wild 2 to sell the hardware. And to justify a price at $499 or at $399. But the majority of your existing catalog won't be taking advantage of this new technology. Right. So you might want to split the difference, as you mentioned, and come in at $350. It's still premium priced. And I'm going to say $350 for one additional reason. I think it's time Nintendo gives a price drop not because the system isn't selling well but you don't give a price drop when a system loses its steam you give it a price drop when it still has momentum yeah you give a price drop to the current switch to 250 you drop the light to 179 not to 150 i think that's a little steep yeah and nintendo i mean they don't you know they don't always go by the the 50 increments right they can they've Mm -hmm. done this before with you know with the ds and the new 3ds and all that stuff they've they've kind of given that in the middle somewhere in between number you know between 150 and 200 dollars. so i could definitely yes. see that so i could see them to do that through 350 for the premium 250 for the current switch 179 for the switch light and there you have you have your entry and then your premium models and i think that could work well for them because then you're kind of sitting there saying, oh, what's $100 for the better model? That's what I'm going to pick up now. And mm-hmm. if you're a launch day consumer, like we were with the current Switch way back in 2017, $350 after, let's say, five years, it's not that hard of a pill to swallow. Yep. $400, I'd still be a little hesitant on. Not because I think the platform wouldn't be worth $400. It's just you have really stiff competition with the PlayStation 5 and Series X and Series S where you have Microsoft coming in with an incredible value with the Series S that's 
you could potentially price match if you really wanted to. Yeah. But Nintendo has put themselves in this odd position that if you have three models on market, you don't give yourself a lot of flexibility when it comes to price drops. You're not going to price drop the current Switch to $199. Yeah. That's way too steep. You're also not going to drop the Switch Lite to $99. <laughs> so you have to come in kind of with that creative type of route, and they might. It's interesting. I'm curious how they play this out because, as we mentioned also earlier, eventually the current Switch is going to be phased out. And then Nintendo can drop that price from 350 to 299 and keep it there for as long as they want. And we have to remember, the Switch has not had a price drop since it was introduced over four years ago. That is correct. Yep. It's maintained its price. So Nintendo may... Nintendo may be using all the profits right now and saying, maybe we can come in at $299 with the current with the Switch Pro. And we replace the current Switch immediately. Mm-hmm. It's unlikely, but it's Nintendo. You really don't know how they're going to approach this, but I think I think $350 is a fair price to gauge and anticipate. $400 has that psychological aspect to it. $399 looks and sounds a lot more expensive than 349. Right. I mean, there's different ways there's different ways you can you can interpret this, right? I mean, if you think of a $399 switch, that right now to us that that sounds a little little far-fetched because we think about the current switch as as it is today, but what if, you know, if you think about a and this is where Nintendo is really good at marketing, if they can somehow convince you that, look, this is a handheld system. This is a handheld system with the latest of NVIDIA mobile or handheld technology that has a new SOC that has DLSS. And you can you can take this with you anywhere and enjoy really good battery life, right? And then dock this thing and get really crisp 4k you know visuals right all of a sudden that doesn't really sound that that bad you know like i think it really comes down to how they market this um because right now all i can think about is well a ps5 digital costs 399 so why would the switch be priced the same (laughs) but it would be priced the same because you know it has some really cool new tech in it that that would appeal to a lot of people but I also do think that, look, marketing research will probably tell us that it would be difficult, more difficult for Nintendo to sell sell these units over just the existing existing hardware. Yeah, I mean, their, their key marketing strategy with this product is going to be Breath of the Wild 2 or Pokemon Arceus. Right. Those are going to be the games that they want to use to sell this platform. And... Those are games that can sell the platform. Breath of the Wild 2 is powerful enough to probably move the system at 399, probably is enough to move it at 499. Yep. Well, at least to some. And I think that's what Nintendo is really banking on is we just need that one strong launch game. If it's Breath of the Wild 2, we can probably get away with a higher price. If you don't have Breath of the Wild 2 ready, maybe they have to you know negotiate and come down on a slightly lower price point like 350 
it's their challenge to figure out. We're just speculating what they could do. But they definitely have to price this right. Yeah. They priced the Switch right in 2017, and that's why the sales took off. If they come in too aggressive with this product, it's going to hurt them. It's not going to gain the momentum that they seek. If they price it right, let's say 350 and they have the momentum on their side again, they're going to be a very tough competitor for Sony and Microsoft in this new generation. And that's what you want for the industry, especially as fans of the industry. You want to have a strong Nintendo compete with a strong Sony and Microsoft. It's good for everybody, especially the consumer. It means we're going to get quality products and better games. But the challenge is definitely on Nintendo's side to come in with a competitive price. Yeah, the more I think about it, I think, I think 350 is really where it needs to be and and what I think it will, it will be priced at. I mean, they, you know, they'll they will drop the the current base model. I think that's a smart move. Because, you know, I, I'm thinking about and look, I I'm, I know I'm jumping ahead of myself, but we're probably segueing into the next topic, but like Breath of the Wild 2, right? Um let's assume that's a launch game with the new Switch revision, which, you know, will will be 4K and everything. It look really 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 good. But keep in mind, you know, that game will also have to run on the current Switch, right? So, um, you know, if if it really is, you know, three ninety nine, that kind of tells me that, um, you know, what's this game going to run like on the base model? You know, is it is it even going to run at uh-huh. anywhere near a good level of performance? And they have to. I mean, they have to be mindful of of the current base you know ownership group because there's literally 80 million 80 plus million of those out there so they they definitely have to make sure that they don't alienate that group or they don't you know um forget about that group and i'm sure they're not so i do think you know 350 is a good price um and yeah i i I, uh the more i think about it i think you know that price drop that you mentioned does make sense as well i think i think that's what they'll do as you brought up with Breath of the Wild 2, this is a game that's going to be playable on the current Switch. And this is going to be a case for a lot of games in 2022 and beyond the introduction of the Switch Pro. Yes, the platform will have some exclusive games, but a lot of them are still going to be playable on your current Switch. And what's going to be interesting is how the Switch Pro handles backwards compatibility. As we have mentioned, it's going to have a new SOC. And having a new SOC does introduce a potential wrinkle in backwards compatibility functionality. I'm glad you every brought time this you up. introduce like <laughs> every time you introduce new architecture to hardware, it does have yep. some slight obstacles that developers have to overcome from the previous architecture. And this is going to be unique because we don't typically see this with a revision. We see this with the introduction of a brand new console or a successor. And it's not that big of a deal when it's a successor because you're saying, well, you know, we're going to focus on the new hardware. We're going to forget that old one. That's not going to be the case here. And it presents the idea of how is the Switch Pro going to handle backwards compatibility? Because it's 
not going to be the Tiger X1. It's not Marco. It is a brand new ship. Yeah, and this is this is the part that um, I really like have been trying to figure out, right? And um, look, there's a number of different ways that this could go. The f- so I guess you're absolutely right. You know that is because this is a new SOC. This is not the Tekka X1. Then by definition, um, it's going to run you know, different code that's not binary compatible with the existing Switch. So what does that mean in kind of layman's terms? It means that games, you know, current games won't run on the, the new SOC. So how do they how do they solve for that? Well, there's, there's three ways they can do this, right? The first one is emulation, um, you know, software emulation, which I don't think that's what they're going to do. But, you know, we've seen... We've seen Xbox do that. We've seen Microsoft do that very, very successfully with the Xbox Series X um, with their backward compatibility. Um, we also see Sony do it with the PS5 on with PS4 games. I mean, they just work, right? You don't really think about it, but they work. There's no enhancements and, and um, you know, it, things, things just kind of work out of the box, right? Now, Sony's implementation is a... Um, I mean, if it's software, I'm not really familiar with how they do it, but I think that there is some type of virtualization or some translation layer that's going on there. Now, with the Switch, I don't think they're going to use emulation. Like, what I think they're going to do, and this is, again, this is me just speculating because I have zero idea how they're going to solve for this, is I think that they're going to do it in hardware. Now, I'm not saying they're going to have a Tegra X1 right side-by-side with the, the new SoC, Although they have done that before with, with their hardware, that's not something out of the realms of possibility. I mean, if you think about the Nintendo Wii and how it emulated or how it played GameCube games, there was, you know, there was physical hardware inside those systems. But at that point, we're talking about a new generation. We're not talking about a revision, right? So I think they're going to, this SOC is, is going to have, and I'll say a, a Tegra X1 Lite, you know, baked in there. In, in, in some fashion that there's going to be enough in there that kind of falls back to the x1 where it can run you know existing games and i also will i also strongly believe that nintendo will never use the terminology backward compatible backward compatible because that just that's not something that they've ever said in the past right and we don't want we don't want the current switch owners we don't want the current switch games being talked about as backward compatible because again that's not a revision that's a new generation but if we're talking about a new soc then you know those things are on the table um so i look i i think ultimately they will have this soc will have a um you know a feature that that basically allows for some you know for for a limited set of x1 features just enough to get you know current games running I think that's ultimately what they'll do. And I think that's, you know, part of the cost, you know, in, in this new hardware where you we see the increase in price, obviously the OLED screen, the DLSS. And I think the third one will be, you know, this new SOC, which has some features to fall back to the, you know, the, the current X1 architecture. And I do think that Nintendo, you know, has told NVIDIA specifically, look, this SOC that you build for us, it has to, you know, have some type of emulation to uh, or some fallback to the the X one stuff. So, but uh, what what do you think about, you know, what, what do you think they'll go with this one? Because I, I want to hear your thoughts too. 
Yeah, I'm definitely am anticipating that backwards compatibility is hardware based. And, you know, as you mentioned, they could do the chip. They did that with the Wii, where they had a GameCube chip inside. They did it with the Wii U, where there is basically an entire Wii inside a Wii U for backwards compatibility sake. Yeah. So I could see them have some sort of X1 inside the Switch Pro for, we'll call it, ability. Because as yeah. you mentioned, that's probably not something that they're going to put in official marketing terms. They're just going to say, all your Switch games work. Not yep. to, you know, they don't want to create any gray messaging. So I think that's... But my problem with that route is if the X1 is going to cease production this year, this could potentially pose a problem. Right. So that would then bring me back to the idea of what's the best way to avoid such problem. And it's, as you mentioned, maybe you emulate. But emulation could also present some problems too. Certain games may not work correctly or perfectly, I should say. And that's by definition. I mean, if you've got a new chip, a, a literally new chip, a new SOC that that um, has come hot off the assembly line, that implies that that chip, you know, needs some type of virtualization or translation or emulation to make it run existing X1 stuff. That's just the way it is. Now, I guess an, another way to think about this is it, it has the X1 instruction set all baked into it, but it also has extra features, right? To, you know, to offer, um, you, know, th- the, you know, things like high resolutions and high memory clocks and, and maybe um, the NVIDIA graphics API, NVN, there's a revision of that, you know, NVN2, for example. I mean, those things could be possible, but it still poses the, the question you know, new SOC, how do you how do you play the old games? And I think, you know, that's it's gonna be interesting to see how this one this one plays out, I think. Yeah, it's definitely gonna be an interesting thing and I mean this will be something we'll find out further down the line, potentially may not get enough detail until the system actually launches. Yep. And we have a chance to take it apart and see all the little goodies internally or you know, maybe some documentation will leak and it'll give us the specifics as to how this is being achieved. But like, yeah, my hunch is that it's going to be hardware, that there's going to be some sort of chip or that NVIDIA and Nintendo were progressive enough in their approach that the new SOC, it may just have some sort of backing with the X1 architecture type that it's able to natively yeah. run these games. Yes. Yeah. If I think about the new 3DS, that mm-hmm. had that had the older chip in there as well, right? I mean, you know, this is this is not something that Nintendo is not familiar with. They've done this before, you know, and right. I, I think they're going to follow that same approach. Um, whether they actually bake in the X1 inside the SoC somehow, or they just, I mean, look, they could even have an. Uh, they could have an X one right next to this chip on the board. It it it. It's very hard to say. Like, I don't know if that would be um, something that you could rule out as well. You know, um, but mm-hmm. they have to. I guess you know, they have to solve for for that. They have to solve for 
um, backward compatibility. And I'm using air quotes when I say that because that's definitely <laughs> something that they have to do. And um, yeah, and you know, on the eShop and and when you turn the system on, it, it's not going to look any different to a normal switch. You, you put you put your cartridge in an existing switch cartridge in, and it's just going to work. You're not going to know even know that you know this is this is something that's you know being emulated or um it's it's got a, a chip in there it's just going to work and i think that's ultimately what they're going to do yeah i mean this is definitely a variable that nintendo is equipped to solve for they wouldn't have they wouldn't have gone this route with a new soc and everything if they weren't prepared for this exact obst- obstacle right they have the tool to overcome it and you know we're just talking about how they could possibly approach this. And there are numerous ways they can. And, you know, maybe if someone's listening who has a better idea of how they could approach backwards compatibility, we do invite you to, you know, drop us a DM on Twitter and maybe you can give us some details of how Nintendo is approaching backwards compatibility with the Switch Pro and how it will handle the current Switch games because one thing we definitely do not want is to run into a situation where you go and put in a game cart and switch pro all of a sudden comes up with a message saying incompatible. Yeah. That would present some problems because that's one message that would be very hard for Nintendo to come out and clarify of 99% of your games are playable, but that's a caveat. No company (laughs) wants to have, and it's, it's one of those problems that Sony had early on with the messaging for the PlayStation 5 with backwards compatibility when they came out and said 99%, but what's in the 1%? And it was games like Joe's Diner. <laughs> exactly. Which, which got matched. They got, they got working. <laughs> Look, I, I, I don't think Nintendo even wants to entertain those conversations. I mean, but right. also, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be these outlier games that, that may not work right when this thing launches. I mean, it's just the way it's going to be unless they literally have an X one, you know, chip soldered onto the board, which again, they could well do can't rule that out. Um, I mean, I think, I think the one that I would probably rule out is software emulation. Cause that would be, that would be something that not only is going to use up a lot of CPU performance, um, it's it's also something that obviously would be a lot less accurate than just having the X1 on, on the chip, on the motherboard. Yeah, and when we look at the Switch library, I believe we're, we're thousands of games, like several thousand games. Could you imagine going through that to make sure each one performs as it should? Yeah. Microsoft did the best they could with the Series X backwards compatibility, and it took months. Yep. And I just don't see Nintendo doing that type of undertaking to make sure an obscure game on the eShop like Ski Sniper will (laughs) run perfectly on the Switch Pro by doing software emulation. So it does seem like some sort of functionality of a Tegra X1 will be soldered onto the board itself. Yeah. Yeah, whether it's a... A fully fledged X1, whether the SOC has, I'll say, an X1 light baked into it, it's. Good. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be one of those two things. Yeah, I mean, it's probably best to go with Occam's razor here. Yeah, of the simplest solution is going to be the answer, and that just it makes the most sense. Yeah, and 
Nintendo is definitely going to go the most efficient route. They're not going to do anything too extreme to make matters too convoluted. And, and you know, we, we have to be mindful of the cost as well, because, I mean, if you drop in a new SOC and then have an X1 right next to it, that's that's a that's probably a price increase that maybe Nintendo wasn't really prepared for. So I think ultimately what what I think that they've done is they've just paid NVIDIA a lot of money and said, look, come up with this new SOC design, but it absolutely not negotiable has to run existing X1 games without exception. And I think ultimately that's what, the, what, what they've come up with. Yeah, I definitely have faith in Nintendo and NVIDIA in this situation. I don't think they would do anything that would jeopardize full 100% compatibility with their software. This was something that they definitely had discussions about and have analyzed and engineered to work to perfection. And let me bring up some of the Streamlab questions for this week. We have a lot And our first Streamlab question is from Anthony, who donated $5 and wrote, I appreciate your YouTube and Twitter. Oh, I appreciate our YouTube and Twitter conversations. You tell it the way it is, not a fanboy hater. There was a strong rumor of a dead franchise that was supposed to to come to Switch. People speculated Scalebound. Have you heard anything? Thanks. Oh boy, um, we've had this question before. I know you've talked about this before on the on the show. I'm pretty sure you have. Yes, uh, Scalebound. Yes, there were rumors about Scalebound. There seemed to have been sufficient evidence to those rumors. Nothing, obviously, nothing has come of it. Um, the rumors of a dead franchise being resurrected. I don't know any specifics as to which game. That individual was referring Scalebound was something I had heard a few times, but it was information that was very difficult to verify. If it exists, or maybe it existed and it got shelved, maybe it was something that was just in early negotiation phases, but really, I don't have anything too specific on that question to share at this time. Then had a $1 donation from Alan, who writes... I am looking for a new TV. What's a good recommendation if my maximum budget is $500 and is Xbox worth buying just for Xbox Game Pass? I think you can get a pretty good... um, You could probably get like a Samsung, uh, you know, 48, 50-incher for around that much. Um, Not not, Obviously not the the high-end OLEDs, but an LCD display. Um, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask about that. Nate, you may have some, some thoughts and opinions, but I'd probably just, you know, look at some YouTube reviews and, and maybe just do some Googling and, and seeing what the best, you know, sub $500 2021 um, television is that you can get for the money. Because, I mean, there's some, some really good deals out there. Yeah, there's definitely really good deals on TVs. When you, if you just shop online, look within that price range. I typically go with Samsung TVs, but I'm also a TV consumer who buys a TV and won't buy another one for like 10 years. So I'm not very 
in tune with TV technologies. I wait until my TV just kerplunks before I actually replace one. Um, but yeah, you could probably find a good quality 4K HDR featured TV for under $500 to shop around and read reviews, check YouTube for reviews. But you could definitely find probably a quality Samsung or LG. Sony, probably not. I don't know if I've ever seen a Sony TV yeah. below 500 bucks. I, I, I haven't. And, you know, Vizio and, and TCL, those brands, yeah. even though they are, you know, they're on the on the budget side, they are also pretty good quality for, for what, you know, the money you spend as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. take a look at the, the, the Vizio brand. I think they sell them at Costco and TCL um, as well. They're, they're pretty decent TVs for the price. And for the second part of the question of Xbox being worth it just for Game Pass, it will depend on your gaming taste. I mean, right now, when you look at Game Pass, you have EA games, you have all Microsoft published games. Microsoft continues to make it, make deals with third parties to get games on there day one. You have all the Bethesda games added. So if you're really into those style of games, Game Pass is well worth it. But you also have to look at titles like the Yakuza series, Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts. Microsoft is trying to cater to some of those Japanese tastes. So there is a breadth of options in terms of software variety on Game Pass. So look at what's currently offered. And if there, I'll say if there's half a dozen games there that interest you, then I would recommend an Xbox with just Game Pass. Yeah, and just quickly, I mean, other than maybe, you know, kids' games, which is is not something that Game Pass really has, there's a lot of stuff on Game Pass. So, yeah, um, I think there's something pretty much for everyone, unless, you know, you're looking mm-hmm. specifically for, you know, games for your kids or something. Yes, that is a good note. Then had a $10 donation from S. Lopez 5 who writes... Mr. Hate Nate V <laughs> and Gamer Modern Vintage. <laughs> I own Nintendo GameCube official component cables. Would a cheap Amazon converter to HDMI accomplish the same as a Carby? Or should I cash these out on eBay for fat stacks of cash and purchase a Carby while I can? Thank you. Well, as someone who owes, owns both... There is no difference between the the image quality. In fact, I would say maybe the HDMI is just a little cleaner, but that's just my eyes. Um, look, I would say just sell the cables if you if you have no attachment to them at all, and just get a Carby for seventy five dollars, and you should be good to go. Don't don't get any cheap Amazon stuff. Just go the Carby, and um, you should be pretty good to go. We then had a four dollar and twenty cent donation from Pizza Co. writes, Hi, do you think Nintendo is creating their form of Game Pass just with the core legacy content? I think Nintendo Switch Online will expand slowly with more consoles, but be instantly available on any console yet to come for at least a few generations, like a retro Game Pass. Um, Yes and no. Nintendo's approach to their legacy content is very awkward. And Nintendo, with any future compatibility with these types of services, remains unknown. 
I think it's a good hope that that's exactly what they do is that they just continue to have Nintendo Switch online with legacy content go generation to generation and gradually expand with new hardware, be it, you know, the Game Boy line, eventually N64, GameCube, and continue to expand that software. But I wouldn't directly call it Game Pass per se, but something maybe some sort of net Netflix light mm-hmm. style approach yeah. maybe is Nintendo's thinking here, but it's Nintendo. All of a sudden they'd be like, Hey, we're going back to the virtual console in two generations. <laughs> it's really tough to gauge because Nintendo switch online. I'd say as itself, the legacy content probably isn't a big motivator to subscribe. Whereas game pass, you subscribe due to the content offered. I don't think people are spending $20 a year to play, you know, F-Zero. They're paying $20 a year to play Smash Brothers online. Yep, absolutely. And get cloud saves. Yes, that's a good feature. Then had a dollar donation from Jackie G, who writes, Hello, gentlemen. Will we ever see Shenmue 4? No. I'm going to say yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it, um, I I know that the development of Shenmue 3 was, was long and arduous. I yeah. do wonder if there will be another game. Hopefully there will be, but I do wonder if there will be another game. I think there will be another game. They they have to conclude that story. They do just, they, though? Do they have to? Yes. I feel like they, they should have concluded <laughs> it in part three, and now we've been told there's what? three more parts or something <laughs> yeah what's it what a part three like finish like 25 percent of the story or something <laughs> this, this is this number. is like some final fantasy 7 oh god storytelling yeah i think we see part four though um i mean i would like yeah. to see it I, i'm definitely not you know disrespecting shenmue i i like i like shenmue um, I even went back and played Shenmue 3 when I when I got the, the game on sale um, last year. And look, I think it was fine. I just I just have questions around this this story that just continues to go on and on and on. I mean, I feel like they, they really could have just wrapped it up on, you know, in part three. Yeah, they definitely could have been non. They didn't have to go so episodic with this tale. They could have definitely curated it quite a bit but bring on Shenmue 4 we then had a hundred dollar donation from Pico whom this episode is dedicated to thank you for your donation and their message is hey Nate and MVG love your cool calm and collected take on gaming and the speculation that comes along with it MVG always here to support a fellow Aussie right on (laughs) Thanks, Pico. We then had a four dollar and twenty cent donation from Fed Smoker, who writes, "Sup, jeans. Hope you're keeping it high and tight. I'm curious how you guys <laughs> feel about the LG BX OLED. I know most of the Spawn cast recommend recommends the CX, but I'm wondering if being on a budget, if the BX is worth it or not. Thanks for all you do. I turn." into a telescope i uh, i don't really know much about the bx to to give you an opinion on that 
unfortunately. Um, so I, I can't really answer that. Yeah, you have the CX, right? Yes. And I, I have heard the BX is just about the same spec-wise. It may not have HDMI 2.1 as maybe the only difference. But see, even that, I can't be 100% sure on. So I I don't know if I really want to, you know, say anything more because I just, I'm not really that up to speed on the BX. Yeah, I did a quick search. The reviews are definitely solid. Yep. So the only cons based on the review that I have found is that it doesn't get very broad. It has a risk of permanent burn-in and low frame rate has constant stutters. Mm -hmm. But if you can live with those cons, it seems like it's a quality TV for a budget price. Then had a $5 donation from Gravy Fingers, who writes, In your episode with John Linneman last week, you said Nintendo develops something neat and then drops support when it doesn't meet expectations. And I realized at that, I run my life like a multi-billion dollar video game company. (laughs) (laughs) Was there a question in there? (laughs) They just had a realization. All right. We have some sassy comments today. Then had a dollar donation from Liam Werner, who writes... I don't know if either of you are big Smash fans or keep up with the chaos that is Smash speculation, but do either of you think the Crash or Master Chief have a chance of making it in before it is all said and done? Master Chief versus Mario would be insane. I think there's definitely a chance. Um, Crash has had some buzz in recent times as being a new character. Master Chief, it... It gets mentioned as well. I mean, you know, th- there's a chance at least one of them makes it, I guess. But, you know, Sakurai is, is very, very cunning and, and he'll just pull out a character that none of us have even considered as the next character. So who knows? I'd say of the two, I'd give Master Chief probably the highest probability chance. But my gut feeling is that we probably don't get either, unfortunately. Yeah, I would agree. And this is why we have another $1 donation from Liam Werner, who writes, the only E3 reveal I'm looking forward to is the inevitable reveal of Nate the Hate for Smash as a tie-in <laughs> to promote the new Nate the Hate body pillow. His stage is Rhode Island, and he comes with an extended remix of the Nate the Hate intro done by ACE. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> we then had a $5 donation from Dan who writes, I game primarily on the switch. I have only ever purchased other consoles for square games, final fantasy dragon quest. Do you think there is a chance square will be purchased in the coming years? I do not. I don't think so either. I mean, I know there's, you know, there's talk about Microsoft buying studios right now and, and Square's come up as, as a possibility, but I don't think so that they're going to, you know, want to sell. I mean, I think they're more than comfortable being who they are and what they do, and I don't really see that changing at all. 
Yeah, they're very successful in what they're doing. So I think they'll maintain their independence and continue to function as Square Enix. Then had a $5 donation from Billatronics. Writes, hey guys, love the content. Question for MVG. Can you please explain why games on Game Pass have to be rebuilt? I am not a game developer, but I am a software developer in a different domain. So please feel free to get technical in your response. Okay. Thanks. So <laughs> the, the, the short of this is that the um, Game Pass requires all your games to run with the, the new Microsoft SDK known as the GDK. So many of the games, first of all, will need to be recompiled to run on the GDK. And on top of that, there's also a specific Game Pass API that needs to be leveraged to basically take advantage of the, the Game Pass features. And that includes things like the appropriate telemetry, um, you know, all, all the different stuff that you get as part of Game Pass. Uh, I'm not really privy to what all of that would entail, but those pieces need to be need to be done. So what does that mean? Well, it means that your old game from a couple of years ago will need to be recompiled, right? To first update to the GDK and then add those Game Pass specific API features that I mentioned. So it does, or it could give the developers a, a chance to fix some outstanding bugs, fix, you know, fix any issues, make some changes, make some updates. And that's what we've seen with the uh, Nier Automata, which came out recently for Game Pass, which um, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard runs exceptionally well. Um, but there was also other games that have been updated that have come out on Game Pass as well. So I I think, you know, that's pretty much the, the, the short story of how it, how it all works. I mean, if you want your game on Game Pass, then you have to um you have to rebuild code you know that's that's ultimately what you need to do a very detailed and descriptive answer we then had a five dollar donation from skatittles who writes why does it feel like everybody forgot square enix also announced a guardians of the galaxy game when they announced avengers i forgot about it <laughs> after the discourse with avengers do you think Square is still full steam ahead on a Guardians game? I remember it was rumored way back in 2017 that I believe it was IDOS Montreal was making the Guardians of the Galaxy game. I don't think any further details were ever shared on the project. So maybe Square forgot they were making it too. But after the disaster that the Avengers has slowly become, I don't think they're in much of a rush to bring out a Guardians of the Galaxy game that is in a similar style. If the project is still in active development, I would imagine we'd have to hear about it soon. But mm. my hunch is the game probably got shelved in recent years. But that's... I'm kind of curious. Might have to dig into that one. Then had a $3.03 donation from Project Atlantis. Who writes, fantastic show, big fan. There are so many things besides the screen, DLSS, 
and power that I anticipate will be upgraded with the revised Switch model. Native Bluetooth audio, increased internal storage, better kickstand, etc. Quality of life stuff. Thoughts? I think that's a good line of thinking to have for the product, especially if Nintendo does want to come in at a price of 350 or even $400. You want to come in with a premium product, and premium products have to come with premium features. And something like native Bluetooth audio is a premium feature, especially when you look at Nintendo's reluctance to include such basic functionality. But increased internal storage, I would definitely anticipate a higher quality kickstand, Maybe it will depend on the make of the shell itself, but I would expect some quality of life improvements to the overall model and form factor itself. Yep. And we didn't really touch on it because, I mean, it's kind of implied almost, but yes, I would agree. I would expect to see those things too. Yes. We then had a $2.22 donation from Cafe Inomain. Who writes, TX1 SOC production is rumored to be soon ended. While it can be a misunderstanding of the Tegra product's life cycle, the Jetson TX1 end of life doesn't equal the TX SOC end of life. If true, we can expect some future changes from the Switch Lite. Any thought about this? It's one of those things, if the TX1 truly is going to cease all production then the Switch Lite would eventually have to have some sort of replacement. It could be in a year, two years, whenever that supply chain is completely deprived of chips and Nintendo stockpile is withered. Mm -hmm. That's when Nintendo could potentially equip a Switch Lite with the Pro internals and give you that type of product. But it's a lot of uncertainty. We don't know if the X1 is going to cease production this year for certain. And if it does, as we speculated in a previous video, it could stop production in December of this year. And that's a long time. That's a lot of chips they could stockpile between now and then. So there's just too many unknown factors right now. Yeah. We then had a $2.22 donation from Cafe Inomain. Who writes, I know Switch Pro is the hot topic and Nintendo's ninjas are everywhere, but I need to know. So just cough one time if yes, or two times if no. Have you heard anything about a Nintendo Switch Online update coming this calendar year adding another old Nintendo console? No, I have not. I believe that they will include a new, some sort of new Nintendo hardware, be it Game Boy, N64, something like that but I haven't heard enough information that I could say with confidence it will definitely happen this year. It's just an expectation right now. And then we had another $2.22 donation from Cafe Inomain. Who writes, what about Silk Song, guys? God. Does this game even exist for real? I think it does exist, <laughs> but it's anyone's guess when we'll see it. What do you, what do you think? Definitely exists. I think we'll see it. I think we'll see it soon. Let me say that. I think we see it soon. They write, joking, just thanks for the amazing episodes you deliver each time. Discovered MVG and his channel this way. Great content. Thank you. By the way, Cafe Inomain means coffee addict in French. Do you like coffee? 
Yes, I do. I don't, I'm not sure about you, Nate. I'm, I, uh, I do love coffee. I'm an avid coffee drinker. I do enjoy a cup of coffee here and there, but I drink my coffee in an odd way, apparently, according to most people. I like to drink black coffee. There's nothing with, wrong with black coffee. I put very little cream, no sugar. I like a a bold mm-hmm. flavored coffee. Once you dilute it with too much cream, I lose interest. And then we had a $6.66 donation from Cafe Inomain, who writes, since Mario will be executed at the end of the month, Bowser will marry Peach, and Luigi will become the new mascot of Nintendo. But what about Wario, guys? <laughs> Is there a room for him if his rival and nemesis die? Do you miss him? <laughs> <laughs> you can answer that one <laughs> I do miss Wario I wish I miss the WarioWare games we haven't seen those in a while I miss those 2D Wario games that we used to get on the Game Boy and we even got one on the Wii yep so I, I do miss Wario and there is always room for Wario even if Mario is publicly executed in a week Wario will live on in 2021 and beyond, even if Mario is dead. <laughs> and that was the final Streamlabs, epi- Streamlabs question for this episode. And again, today's episode was dedicated to Pico, who generously donated $100. If you would like to support the channel, you can make a donation to our Streamlabs link in the description below. Donate $100 or more. We will dedicate the episode to you. Otherwise, you can make a donation of any amount. Ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. So I'd like to thank everyone who made a donation, who supported the channel. And I thank you for your questions. And I'd like to thank MVG for joining me as always. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Nate. Always a pleasure having you. And for everyone listening, you can let us know your thoughts in the comment section below of what you think about the Switch Pro and the Bloomberg report. And be sure to like the video, subscribe if you haven't already, and continue to embrace the hate.